Pastor Ed Ray provides insight concerning John 3.16. I don't believe that the mind of man can fully grasp what this verse is saying right here. I think it's so far beyond what we've ever experienced, we can't really gather what we know and make sense out of it. All we can say is that the love of God is uncaused, uninfluenced, spontaneous, and sovereign. Uninfluenced, you can't blow it bad enough that he won't love you. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Over the years, I bet you've been given some really great gifts either at Christmas or a birthday, or maybe your wedding. Which is the greatest gift you've received? John 3.16 describes by far the greatest of all gifts given by God to us. Question is, have you received it? Today on Grow in Grace, we pay a visit to the rich third chapter of John. We're in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and a religious leader of his day and through it we will gain valuable insights regarding eternal life. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. So God is giving himself to us, agape, God's love. He so gave because his son came that we might not perish, and God loved the world. Greek word cosmos, we know the word cosmos. It's used 99 times in the gospel and, excuse me, 77 times in this gospel, and it is sometimes means the world, the sphere, the blue marble that's spinning, but in this case, he's not talking about dirt. It's not that God so loved the dirt, the world, the people in the world. And this is a baffling idea, that God loves everyone. And we throw that out like, of course he does. God loves the Jews. Well, sure, special people. But he also loves the Russians and the Chinese. God loves the North Koreans, Arabs, even Americans. God loves brown people. God loves yellow people. God loves black people. God loves people. The old song is correct. We are precious in his sight. Every one of us in this room, whether or not you've ever talked to God or not, whether you're here for the first time wondering about what's up with this church. God loves the culture. He loves the civilized. But he also loves the pagan and the heathen. God loves the Baptists. Really, he does. But he also loves the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Catholics and the Pentecostals and the Charismatics and the none of the above, non-denominational. God loves fundamentalists. Well, of course he does. But he also loves liberals. God loves progressives and socialists and communists. God loves Democrat. Oh, no, pastor, tell me it's not true. <laughs> God loves Republicans. God loves independents. God loves pastors. Huh. 
But he also loves murderers and gamblers and bartenders and prostitutes and thieves and druggies. Don't get it mixed up. God loves the sinner, but not the sin. God loves the criminal, but not the crime. God loves the liar, but not the lie. He loves the rebel, but not the rebellion. He loves the idolater, but not the idol. I don't believe that the mind of man can fully grasp what this verse is saying right here. I think it's so far beyond what we've ever experienced, we can't really gather what we know and make sense out of it. All we can say is that the love of God is uncaused, uninfluenced, spontaneous, and sovereign. Uninfluenced, you can't blow it bad enough that he won't love you. There's a mind bender that he gave. He gave sacrificially. He gave the most precious thing he had, his son, his only begotten son. And the word is relationship. The second person of the Trinity, I don't understand the Trinity, I just believe it. That's what it says. Three persons in one, so much in love for eternity. Now, that whoever, whoever means all. You are a whoever. Raul Reese used to say, you're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. We're all whosoever's from the old King James. Every one of us, whoever believes, because God is not willing, Second Peter 3, 9, because God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. All? Very profound word. The Greek word means exactly the same thing the English word does. God would that all would come to repentance. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3. If any man, any woman, any child would open the door, I will come into him, God says. Whoever believes, trusts in, clings to, relies on. This word, with its various endings, appears a hundred times in the Gospel of John. It's a very important word to John. Nicodemus is educated, he's rich, he's moral, he's religious, a do-gooder, he's a church member, he's intelligent, but he is not believing whom Jesus is. You have to say he's not going to heaven in the condition he's in right here. It turns out that salvation comes by faith, by trust, by clinging to, by relying on, not by works, Titus 3. It is not by works of righteousness that you have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved you. Man, that's a stopper of all conversation about doing good things to earn your way to heaven. It is not by works of righteousness. You cannot do enough righteous things to outweigh all the other bad things in your life. But according to his mercy, according to his love, those who believe should not perish. Should not. There's no reason that they should perish. They must only surrender, but have everlasting life. When we get to John 11, sometime around 2045, there's the story of Lazarus who died. You might remember it. Lazarus was the 
brother of Mary and Martha. They lived in Bethany. Jesus was a constant visitor in their home, just kind of suburbs of Jerusalem. Jesus is down four days away at the Jordan River, four days walking, and Lazarus gets sick. His sister sent word, Jesus, please come. Your friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus doesn't come, not for four days. And finally he shows up. Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. And they meet him on the road, these two sisters. And one of them says, Lord, if you had only been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, well, of course he will rise on the last day of the resurrection. Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection. I've watched a lot of people die working in a hospital for 13 years. It's so, we have a lot of nurses and a few doctors here. and I can remember every person that I was in the room when they died. It's such a flash of reality that it marks you, it scars you for life. That is because God never intended for it to happen. Oh, he understood that Adam was going to sin in the garden when he created him. He wasn't caught off guard when you sinned the first time when you were three hours old. I'm teasing. God wasn't caught off guard when I sinned last week. Oh, yeah. It's my mouth. It gets me in a lot of trouble. But if you would believe, you will have everlasting life because Jesus is the one who commanded Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth, and he came out of the grave. One of the sisters said, don't do it, Lord. He stinks. He's been in there four days. He stinketh, the old King James says. But he came out. For God so loved the world. God the Almighty, the master of heaven and earth and eternity, so loved, chose, desired, longed for, to forgive, so loved the world, then a prisoner to sin, stuck in pleasure madness, that he gave, gave, handed over, the greatest gift ever given anywhere in any time in history, his only son, to take our place, that whoever, what grace, whoever believes, puts simple trust in. You are right now in the middle of the most trusting thing you can do. You are sitting on these chairs. Now, you're probably safe. They're relatively new. But the point is you've made it your trust. You've put your entire weight on it. That's what he's saying. Put your entire weight on what Jesus does for you and has done already for you. Whoever believes in him, the righteous and the only just one, should not perish, not die the second death, separated from God, but have everlasting life in him. We're in John chapter 3 today on Growing Grace looking at some of the most wonderful verses in all the Bible. Here's Pastor Ed Ray with verse 17. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn, to issue an edict, a judgment. It's what a judge does to condemn someone to death. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn anyone to death. 
that the world through him might be saved. And we use that in the church, that word saved a lot. And I've had non-believers say, what do you mean saved? Saved from what? The word is rescued in the Greek language. Just as much as you were going down for the last time, you swim out to the end of the pier at Santa Monica, and all of a sudden you start to go down, and a lifeguard comes out and rescues you as you're about ready to die. That through him we might be rescued from death. He came to save. The object of his whole coming was salvation, not condemnation, not judging. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, is not judged. You put your trust in him that he died for your sin. You say it. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Believe it, and then you'll understand it. Say, God, I choose to believe you died for me. Now help me to understand. Who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not trusted, not put his weight on the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus. Does that word hit you the way it hits me? Listen, Jesus. There's power in that word. That's why it's a favorite word for cussers, you know? Oh, Confucius. We got nothing there. <laughs> Not to pick on Confucius, you know, Buddha or whatever else you want to put in there. That's one of the greatest proofs to me that he is God. Just his name has power. There's no other name in heaven, the book of Acts says, by which a man might be rescued, a woman might be rescued. Jesus. Believe in the name, Yeshua. It means God saves. It's his name. Joshua, but when you say it in the Hebrew language, Yah, Yahweh, God, the name for God, Shua saves, rescues, God rescues. Ah, there it is. 19, and this is the condemnation, this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. Not talking about photons, moral excellence. What's right? The way things ought to be. Justice. We hear a lot about justice today. Real justice will only come when Jesus returns. And then we'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. We'll know because it's built in us. That light has come into the world, but that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They were refusing to receive rescue because they'd have to expose their own sin back to God. What? You see, I wasn't an atheist for the first 26 years of my life because I was so brilliant and I decided, you know, there really wasn't a need for God. It happened spontaneously, a fortuitous slash of lightning into a pre-mortal soup and out came your grandmother. That was called brilliant in those days. No, I didn't want to have to admit to my own sin before God. Everyone practicing evil hates the light. Oh, there's joy in sin for a season. We all understand that. But it'll drag you down. It'll suck you dry. There won't be anything left. 
Everyone who's practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds would be exposed. Years ago, Raiden and I lived in Hawaii for a short time. Hawaii has bugs. I mean, we have bugs in California, but they are minuscule compared to what they have in Hawaii. We have a cockroach in California that's not very impressive. The one in Hawaii, they call it the Kalihi Cruiser. <laughs> because it flies very slow. Now, the little Hawaiian kids grab them and they tie a thread around their abdomen and then they fly them like kites around the neighborhood and they, you know, buzz like, you know, World War II fighter planes or something. But I brought that up because when you come home at night and you turn the light on and it's dark, you have to expect a stampede to happen, right? I mean, there's a Calgary stampede that happens in your kitchen because all of these bugs are fleeing the light. To me, that's the clearest picture of what this is saying. And I get this picture of this Kalihi cruiser shaking his little tentacle at me. Turn off the light, you idiot! We hate light! That's mankind. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Seek truth and you'll come to the light. We made it. It's by grace through faith, not of ourselves, that we get into heaven. We'll hear some additional thoughts from Pastor Ed Ray in just a moment as Grow in Grace continues. You'll find us online at thepackinghouse.org. And that's a great place to go and hear this program again and find more information about the Packing House Christian Fellowship. That's thepackinghouse.org. You can also call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring you Grow in Grace, and we look to our listeners to help make all this possible. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can call 844-77-GRACE and as you do, be sure to request our special offer available for a gift of any amount. It's a book written by Chuck Smith titled, Why Grace Changes Everything. You'll discover the difference grace will make for you. It transforms our lives into something beautiful. Read all about it in this Christian classic. And we'll send it your way when you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount. You can reach us again at 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. You know, and even if you're not in a position to be able to give, we still want to hear from you. Your email would be a great encouragement to Pastor Ed. This lets us know where Grow in Grace is having an impact by God's grace. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at AOL.com. Here's Pastor Ed with a closing thought. I'll close with a true missionary story. American missionary 120 years ago now, named David Morse, went to India to preach the gospel. And he was on the plain of India that goes down to the Indian Ocean, the coastal plain. And he was working there the rest of his life, a medical doctor, medical missionary, and helping people with their medical problems and then sharing Christ with them. Well, in that day, in right around 1800, the great industry on that shore of the Indian Ocean was pearl driving. 
Now, you know, you've gone to SeaWorld and you get the oyster and you open it up and, huh, this one has a pearl in it. How amazing. And of course, they're all planted. And if you look carefully on the pearl, it says made in Taiwan. But, <laughs> but this is the real deal, okay? 125 years ago, and they're pearl diving. Now, pearls live at around 20 meters, which is 60 feet, which is a pretty good dive, free diving without any scuba gear because there wasn't any in 1800. And so he was ministering to a lot of pearl divers on the Indian Ocean. And the one who he spent a lot of time with was a man named Rambu. Now, Rambu was an older guy, but he was still pearl diving and the best that were around. And he kept sharing Christ with him. He shared the gospel. He shared this verse with him over and over again. He translated it into the dialect of India that this man spoke. And he talked about God loving the world and how he loved him. And Rambu up saying, no, 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 I'm a Hindu. I worship 300 million gods. And so you only have one God. That's not enough for me. And so David began going after that. How could there be 300 million gods? They must fight. We serve a God who is the creator of all things. And anyway, it began to turn, Rambu, and he began to listen, but he wouldn't be baptized. He wouldn't come to salvation. He wouldn't believe. Finally, he came to David one morning. He said, David, I'm going to go to New Delhi, and I'm going to start my salvation. David said, what, what do you mean start? He said, I'm going to go to New Delhi on my knees. And David said, why would you do that? He said, because the Eternals will see how pure my heart is, that I'm seeking truth and they will let me into your heaven. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's 900 miles to New Delhi. You're going to end up with infections and you'll be a dead man. You'll never make it that far on your knees. Oh, I can do it because I'm a proud man. I've always earned my way for everything. Your God, he just gives things away. I can't serve a God that just gives things. And David was really at a loss for words. And he left. He came back the next morning with all his small amount of property rolled up in a rug, and he's getting ready to head out on the road. But he's got a little box with him, and it's got a lock on it. And David said, are you leaving? He said, yes but I brought you a gift. He said, really? He said, what is the gift? He said, you don't know this, but Sahib, my son, on my 60th birthday was pearl diving, and he could go deeper than any other pearl diver. He was the best pearl diver that had ever lived. He was looking for a gigantic oyster that a pearl would be in, and of course, they'd just eat the oysters that didn't have pearls in it, but he went down and he went down, and I was standing watching him on my birthday, and I realized he was down too long, that he had gone too deep. He went to 30 meters, and his lungs burst when he came to the surface. And he floated to the surface, still holding on to the biggest oyster I've ever seen. He said, but I was so broken, I just wept. And after the funeral, I finally got around to opening the oyster, and, and there was a gigantic pearl in it, the biggest pearl that anyone had ever seen. It's, it's in the strong box, and I've come to give it to you. David said, why? Why would you give it to me? He said, because you've spent so much time with me, 
and you have loved me, and I can see that. So this is my gift to you. And David said, no, no, that, that's too good. And then it hit him. And he said, Rambu, I will only take the pearl if you allow me to pay for it. I'll give you $10,000 for the pearl. And Rambu began to weep. He said, why would you insult me this way? My son died getting this pearl. And now you're trying to give me money? You're saying it's worth money? It was my son's life. And David smiled and he said, that's what you're doing to God. He sent his son who died so that you might live. And you're saying, no, no, I want to pay for it. It's not for sale, but he'll give it to you. And Rambu went to his knees and they prayed together and he was saved and became the first pastor, Indian pastor in that area. What a vivid picture of how one can try to earn salvation through works instead of just accepting the price paid by Jesus. Salvation is a gift given to us by the Lord, made possible through his death on the cross. And we hope today's message has encouraged you to believe. Join us next time for more from the book of John. We're going through the Bible with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, a presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love.